You're listening to Seawolf Pod, the Major League Rugby Seattle Seawolves podcast. I'm your host, Raymond T., a super fan of rugby who fell in love with the sport in the Pacific Northwest and subsequently the Seattle Seawolves franchise. I started Seawolf Pod to fill in coverage gaps on this Seattle team that even I wasn't getting. I try to release new episodes once a week. Now, coming to you from the Wolf Den in the upper left corner of the United States, here's your very special championship edition episode of Seawolf Pod, which in addition to the finals game later today, will also cover rugby basics for new fans briefly in the beginning. This show was recorded Saturday, July 7th, 2018, and may contain explicit language as I don't censor the podcast in the interest of time. Anyways, here's the show. (laughs) Attention, please, attention, please. All right, Wolf Pod. So if you're new to this, uh, I say Wolf Pod, which basically just means Seattle Seawolves fans. Of course, also listeners, loyal followers of Seawolf Pod. Thanks so much for tuning in. As I mentioned, I'm going to start with a little bit of uh, rugby basics for you. And you've probably seen this before. If you've been watching the games, they show rugby for rookies sponsored by like, I don't know if the sponsor changes from team to team when you're watching it on YouTube or CBS or ESPN Plus or whatever, but I'm going to run down through the different things that they mention and maybe just go into detail a little bit more. And then we'll move on to stuff for the finals today between Seattle and Glendale, which is probably why you tuned in. So there are six items on this rugby for rookies list from MLR and BECU Um, and those are number one 15 active players on each side eight reserves so they're on the sidelines there's offense and defense just fundamentals scoring you've got five different ways to score Um, passing in this game there's no forward passes in rugby that's obviously very important if you're new. It could be a little different for you from other sports. Um, and then it's continuous play, which is also pretty important to think about because if you're used to something like American football in a contact sport, this is not going to stop just when somebody goes to ground. So let's talk about those uh, 15 active players on the field, their positions. Um, one through eight are forwards, generally bigger, stronger players that end up doing the scrum and the line out, the set pieces. And then you've got uh, seven backs. So one through eight, your number is your position. You don't just get a random number unless you're a reserve kind of. But besides the point, don't want to complicate things. One through eight, forwards, nine through 15, backs, the smaller, faster, agile players typically um, who do kind of like scoring as set up by the forwards Um, so just running through the names of the positions and brief descriptions number one is a loose head prop so in the scrum uh, their head is literally uh, loose on the outside of the front row um, of people that are scrummaging so props are generally really big and then there's a tight head prop on that other side because in the scrum you have three people in the front row Um, So in between the two props is a hooker, and they use their leg to hook the ball. Funny name, I know. So number three is the tight head prop. Um, Let's go back. One loose head prop, two hooker, three tight head props. So this other prop on the other side of the hooker, um, their head is tight, so to speak, in between the opposing um, hooker and loose head prop during scrum time. Um, So that's one through three. 
Behind them, you have your second rowers or your locks. So in the second row of the scrum, they're locking in the front row. These are typically pretty tall players because they get lifted in the line out where they jump and then get lifted by their teammates to catch a ball being thrown in. It's kind of like the inbounds play in rugby. Um, so that's four and five. You can just call it left side lock, right side lock, fours on the left, fives on the right. Six is your blind side flanker. So just defining this from the set piece um, and a scrum, which is used to reset play. The blind side is the shorter side between where the scrum happens and the sideline. Um, so the blind side flanker in theory should be on that side. Um, then you've got your open side flanker, number seven. Um, same deal as the flanker needs to be on the other side in this back. So this is the back row of the scrum. Um, your flankers are going to do kind of a mixture of both like lots of defense and getting involved in the breakdown, um, which is after contact and the ball goes to the ground. There's a contest for the ball. The flankers get really involved in that. They also make big hits. They even make some runs. Um, they're literally on the flanks of the scrum. Okay, so number eight is literally just called number eight. Uh, number eights are generally scary. Um, I play 10. I, I try to look out for the number eight. Um, just a big dude who packs down at the very back of the scrum. Um, back row doesn't do a whole lot in the scrum. Uh, from a technical uh, perspective, your second rowers, your locks, four and five, um, are very important. But the, the most important is the front row and the scrums who are doing like 80% of the work and 20% is for the rest of the scrum. According to our player coach at my club that I play for, and I think he's pretty good. Um, he was my coach too. Shout out, Ricky. Um so numbers 9 through 15, that was the forwards, uh, again, who are the, the bigger, stronger players. So now we're going to go 9 through 15, which is your backs. 9 and 10 are considered halfbacks, so um, they are both doing a lot of the decision-making and directing of play. Uh, your scrum half, which is number 9, is the halfback that's near the scrum. Um, so they're going to be picking the ball up out of the scrum after it's hooked back by the hooker and then passing it to number 10, the fly half. The fly half is like a key decision maker, kind of your general on the field, maybe like a quarterback if you're familiar with American football. Um, then you've got two wings, which is uh, kind of out of order. Number 11, your left wing, and number 14, your right wing. They compose two of the three players who are considered the back three, kind of like outfielders on defense waiting in the backfield for kicks, but they're generally really, really quick. Um, and then you have two centers, an inside center at 12 and an outside center at 13. They're looking to receive the ball from the fly half and kind of play off of each other and um, you know make good strong runs and passes and some can even kick. Um, pretty versatile. Halfbacks are kind of small. Centers are usually big. Wings can be a variety but are always very quick. Um, and then 15 is kind of special, a fullback. Um, so the fullback you may think is kind of uninvolved, but they're always looking to make work off the ball. So they will come in a lot into sort of what you call the line, which is like, I don't know, an offensive shape where you're passing the ball because there's no forward passes. So it's like a line going back diagonally. And the 15 sort of has to find um, their holes or their gaps to fill in in that line on offense. Um, but again, on defense, so this is the third player in the back three formed by the two wings on the left and right side, your 11 and 14. The fullback is literally full, fully back. Um, they need to be good at catching a ball out of the air that's kicked to them. Um, they need to be 
good at kicking themselves, not, not literally kicking themselves, but like kicking the ball. Um, they should be pretty quick. And then these back three players, so if there's a line break, so the opposing team on offense breaks through the defense in front of them, they're going to have to make a tackle in the open field. And that requires actually a lot of quickness. You can take down a big guy, even if you're small, as long as you're quick enough to sort of position yourself uh, in a way where um, you know you can get down to the guy's ankles and just kind of wrap there and uh, stop them from moving because you stop a guy's feet and you stop him. Um, so those are your active players on the field, 1 through 15. And then you will have eight reserves. So let's talk about substitutes and how that works. So it's 23 on a squad total that show up, 15 are on the field, eight are reserves. So the, the reserves are substitutes, and those are the players who start the match on the bench rather than on the pitch. There are two types of substitutes in rugby union. I'm not even going to get into rugby union versus other types of rugby. Just know we're doing rugby union, and it has two types of substitutes, temporary and permanent replacements. The temporary substitutes come on for any player who has been sent to the blood bin. So you have, you know, you're bleeding, you get sent to the blood bin, a temp sub comes on, but they must return to the bench once the injured player has returned to the pitch. That said, if the injured player has not returned to the field within 15 minutes, they become permanent. Permanent replacements are substitutes who come on as a direct replacement for a player on the pitch. The substituted player is not allowed to return to the pitch. So it's like a one-and-done kind of deal. Um, yeah, there's offense and defense. Um, on offense, uh, you're looking to score. In the, the, the try zone on defense, you're looking to stop the team from scoring. But, you know, there's other ways to score. So you, let's see if I've got the five ways. I should know this all. So you can score a try, which is five points, and that's like getting into, like, the, the end zone or the touchdown zone all the way at the other half of the field at the end in that 10-meter section that um, has a goal line. So you have to touch the ball down to the ground with control of the ball in your hand to score five points. You can't drop it down. You can't spike it down. You can't go to touch um, the ball down and then let go of it. Like, it has to be a secure touchdown of the ball. It's kind of funny that they call it a touchdown in football when you don't actually have to touch it down. You just have to cross the plane. But crossing the plane is not enough in rugby. And um, that's important because where you touch it down determines then where you get to have a conversion kick for two points. So a converted try, so to speak, would be seven points where... Um, you take the kick back from where you scored it in the try zone and kick it off the place tee. Um, as soon as you start your kicking motion, the other team can charge you from um, the goal line, which is interesting. So um, you can get a try for five points. You can convert it for an extra two. You can score um, through the post a, a kick off of penalties that the other team commits if you opt to kick it. So that's three points. Um, so let's see, that's three ways to score. Another way is a drop kick, which would be, um, you know, you're not kicking it off a tee. You just are close enough that you can drop the ball, touches the ground, and then you, you know, boot it um, through the post. So that's three points. And then I think the other way to score here would be a penalty try. So if you're close to scoring and the other team commits a penalty that is basically like intentional or... They just keep screwing up so much that it's impeding play. And, you know, if the penalty weren't happening, the, the team on offense would otherwise score. 
you're just automatically given seven points. There's no conversion, no nothing. It's just automatic seven points. Um, I think there's almost always a yellow card involved with that, but whatever. You'll see that if it happens. Um, so that's the ways to score. Last two things are no forward passes and continuous play. So forward passes are a infraction of the laws. Uh, rugby is made up of laws, not rules, and the sir or ref or whatever you want to call them interprets them um, as they see fit in the game. So um, passes cannot go forward, and I guess the reason for that is when somebody picked up a soccer ball in the 19th century in England, um, they wanted to make it, you know, uh, special where there was still some kind of challenge. You couldn't just throw the ball forward. You had to run it forward. So if you want to advance the ball, you have to run it forward. If you want to pass it, you have to pass it backwards or flat. Um, so perpendicular to the, um, North and South, uh, whatever line of the field it has to go, uh, East to West can't travel, uh, the other direction. So, um, no forward passes. That's really important. Um, you can kick the ball forward, uh, and another player can go catch your kick, but they have to start behind you when you kick it, which is um, an offsides rule so or law. And then the last thing, continuous play, is in rugby you have phases. There's no limit to how many phases you have. Uh, phases are kind of like downs in American football, uh, except, again, you don't have like four um, and this differentiates rugby union from other types of rugby, like rugby league, where I think you have like, I don't know how many phases you get, like six or something before you have to score or it goes, the ball goes to the other team. Um, all you have to do is secure the ball when it goes to ground. So a player takes the ball to ground, they put the ball behind them, and then um, players from the other team try to get the ball. Players from their own team try and stop those players from getting the ball. There's very specific rules around this phase of the game. It's called the breakdown or the ruck. Um, in short, a ruck is a contest over the ball between two players that forms once they make contact with each other. Once the ruck is formed, you cannot put your hands down on the ball on the ground. That will be called as a penalty. You have to ruck it out with your feet. So that is, in however many minutes I did it, um, a crash course on rugby. Rugby for rookies, laws of the game, from MLR and BECU, which you've probably seen on the streams before for the games if you've been watching. It happens so quick, and sometimes it gets in the way of play when they bring it up because they're still figuring out this stuff. And I just thought it might be valuable for newer fans to be able to understand what's really meant by each thing that they list there. They try and explain it a little bit. Um, I message back and forth with the guys that are the commentators. It's not their choice that they don't have the time to explain this stuff, and I'm sure they would be more than happy to if you ever reached out to them on like Twitter um, to like Pete Steinberg or Dan Power. Shout out to you guys. You've been doing a great job this year. Um, okay, so that is, like I said, rugby for rookies. Now, let's get into previewing the finals match today um, between Seattle and Glendale. So Glendale Raptors are the number one team. They beat Utah in the semifinals to go on to this finals match. Seattle beat San Diego. Seattle's the number two team. San Diego's number three. So Utah was four getting knocked out. San Diego got knocked out. Those games were in Glendale, Colorado. And now we're at um, Torero Stadium at, I believe, University of San Diego. So it's in San Diego, California, West Coast. Woohoo. Um, really excited for this game. I think it is going to be, I mean, it's unknown to me. I just like, it's so hard to say what's going to happen, but, um, gosh, I got to collect my thoughts here. So 
there's a lot we can go over and I should probably just start with the lineups. But before I do that, I just hope you're as pumped as I am. Like, I don't know if I have to play that song again. I'll spare you. But like, this is so cool. Rugby's happening at this level professionally in the United States. It looks like it's here to stay. It's already benefiting um, the national team who beat uh, Tier 1 Nation for the first time. Tier 1 Nations have been playing rugby forever. They're in the top 10 ranks. USA's 15. We upset Scotland, who's probably like number 10 or something. Um, Major League Rugby, this is the inaugural season. MLR is a good brand. I think they kind of went overboard with the Shield final by using their brand as the trophy. It's a little uh, self-absorbed maybe, but... Anyways, I think that this is such a special thing happening in the United States, and um, if you're just tuning in now, it's not too late. Uh, it's a short off season after this game today. We'll be getting into preseason matches, I think, like in the fall, um, and then next season uh, is rumored, at least. Uh, I'm not an official source uh, to be happening from January through july so much longer lots of games i'm going to be doing stuff in the off season to try and keep up with all the changes that could be happening with teams especially seattle um really exciting stuff so let's get into the lineups for today let's start with the glendale raptors i probably won't have a ton of info on them because i don't follow them quite as closely but there's definitely some interesting stuff here. So, loose head prop, number one, Blake Rogers. Number two, Zach Finoglio. Um, I'm trying to see here who they listed as the captain. He'll probably be the captain. Number three is going to be Kalepi Fafita. Um, so, that's tie head prop. Uh, number four, uh, Locke, is Dakota O'Neill. And... Um, I haven't met him before, but I'm, I'm pretty sure his dad is my teammate at... Uh, Oregon Sports Union, which is the, the club I play for. <laughs> kind of funny. It looks like him. Um, I met him after a game, too, which is funny. I should know this. But, again, I'm more Seattle. So, five is Ben Landry. Uh, he is a lock, so second rower, big dude. Pretty sure he plays for the Eagles. Um, I saw something funny on one of uh, Seattle's players' Instagram stories uh, it was like him at Cheesecake Factory or something, and I think all the players went there. Um, so then in the back row, we have number six at blindside flanker, Peter Dahl, um, who I think gets uh, switched around a little bit sometimes. I'm pretty sure he's been at eight before, but that's going to be uh, Sam Fig today. But uh, open side flanker, John Quill, number seven, number eight man, uh, number eight, Sam Fig. Sam Fig's really good. Keep an eye on him. Uh, our halfbacks are number nine, scrum half, Sean Davies, USA Eagle. Number 10, fly half, Will McGee, one of my favorite tens in the game. Uh, left wing is going to be Mika Cruz. He's really good. He's a young guy. He's definitely going to be an Eagle someday. Uh, number 12, inside center, Bryce Campbell. He's a USA Eagle. Dude's an absolute unit. Um, number 13, Chad London. So that's outside center. Then number 14 right wing is Harley Davidson. This guy could be like better than an eagle. He could get poached by um, an overseas club pretty easily. Um, I mean, not better than an eagle. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Somebody's going to make fun of me for saying that. But just like this guy is like, he's not going to be like your average player just going to the next level. Um, and then at fullback, number 15 is Maximo de Ochoval. He can do everything. He can... Uh, he filled in at fly half when uh, Will McGee was with the Eagles beating Scotland. 
Um, shout out McGee and the boys at USA Rugby beating Scotland. That was super cool. And then our reserves, number 16, Luke White. Number 17, Nick Kwasniewski. Number 18, Dylan Fawcett. Number 19, Connor Cook. Number 20, Grigor Kurdikashvili. Number 21, Mickey Bateman. Uh, number 22, Atta Malifa. And number 23, Nick Johnson. So those are your Glendale Raptors today. Now let's get on to uh, my favorite part of lineups, which is talking about the team that I follow and talk about and made Seawolf Pod for. Uh, Your Seattle Seawolves. So today in San Diego are 23. We've got uh, the starting 15. Number one, loose head prop, Olive Khalifi. He is a USA Eagle really solid he can go for 80 minutes number two uh the hooker from canada ray barkwell shout out uh for the namesake to raymond uh number three tight head prop is tim metcher this guy i think played super rugby he is really good and number three is pretty important in the scrum because they're in between two people's uh heads (laughs) so uh, it's very difficult. Um, our second rowers, number four, Locke, Taylor Crumray, number five, Locke, Cam Polson. Then at blindside flanker, we have Eric Duchel, the beast. Um, I was doing some stats on our last Glendale game, and this guy makes so many tackles. It's crazy. Um, then number seven, open side flanker. So, we're, again, we're on to the back row now. Um Vili Talutau. This guy was a huge pickup for us. We picked him up as a hooker. Um, he's kind of on the shorter side. Um, flankers, back rowers, etc., are usually at least about six foot, but they can be shorter. And Vili was able to fill in here. So you may uh, remember him or recognize him on the field as the uh, the guy with the afro. And man, he is ferocious. Um, he does it all. He's really cool. Um, and he was he was called up uh, late to the Eagles squad, so we didn't expect to lose him during uh, international call-ups, but we did, and now he's back. Um, so are all the Eagles. And then number eight, our vice captain, uh, Rikert Hating. Rikert Hating. So he is a uh, South African player, and um, kind of like I said about Bryce Campbell earlier, this guy is a unit. Um he can hit hard. He can have good storming runs. Um, he's, a, he's a good guy to have at the back of the scrum who can pick that ball up and just run with it. Um, our halfbacks, number nine, Phil Mack. So he's our player coach this season. Yep, we don't have a coach really. Um, we kind of do. So uh, Adivis is now involved with coaching, which is a uh, organization or company in Seattle, which uh, does lots of rugby coaching clinics, all that Um They've worked with actually the Seattle Seahawks, um, which some people sometimes say on accident when they're trying to say Seawolves, but they've worked with the Seahawks on um, tackling properly, which is really cool. So anyways, Phil Mack is our player coach at Scrum Half. Um, I mean, this guy has been, I I wrote about uh, him before the season started as, you know, a reason why we could win this championship. Um, His leadership uh, on and off the field, just his, his own rugby ability, um, he's always trying to uh, keep his own team on on the front foot and uh, you know uh, speed up the pace and really really push the boys. So um, 
just really good guy to have on your team. And then number 10, uh, Peter Smith. So it sounds like a fake name or like he's in the eyewitness protection program. Maybe he is. He wears a scrum cap. It could be like a disguise. I don't know. Peter Smith is my favorite choice at fly half on this team. Um, we've seen at least, I think, Will Holder. I'm just trying to think if anybody else has done it. But for sure, Will Holder's been at fly half. And um, I think he's like – so he's in the military. I know that for sure. And – I think he was, uh, you know, like, I don't know what the term is. I don't know military terminology, but was not deployed, but called out to some station in like Hawaii, I think, um, where he is this week watching the championship. Um, no offense. I just think Smith is our choice no matter what, whether um, holders available or um not i i was tracking the last uh glendale uh game we had and he kind of collapsed which is really unfortunate um not not like collapsed on the field but uh in terms of his performance and um he he's he's built pretty stout so uh smith is more of a natural fly half probably doesn't tackle as well but i actually saw great tackling from smith in that game so anyways um those are our halfbacks and then our winger, Peter Tiberio, man, uh, Tibbs, Tibbs is the greatest. Uh, he, he gives Seawolf pot a lot of love on social media, which is always nice. But, um, I'm just trying to think like, okay. T- I mean, Tibbs like has just come through as, uh, this just absolutely ferocious winger for us. So he, he's not like the biggest dude. And he was almost about to quit rugby before coming to the Seawolves. I think maybe it was like Shalom or somebody called him up and was like, dude, are you in Seattle? Like you got to come play with us. But, um, so, uh, I believe he played at university of Arizona and was more of a sevens player. So he's really quick. Um, he is very physical, especially for a winger. That's not huge. And usually by halftime, he's just like mummified in head wraps from just banging up his face. Um, then our captain, number 12, inside center, Shalom Suniula. So he has experiences like more of a halfback, especially considering his size. But he's been a great um, person to fill in at inside center. Um, I don't know if we have a lot of depth right now at inside center anyways. I think Barton could potentially still be recovering um, from his concussion. And then we've never even seen Garrity in the 23, Mike Garrity, who is on the website. Um then outside center, William Rasalika. Um, yeah, Willie's awesome. Um, he is, he's a big boy. He's, he's kind of what you would expect a center to look like. Um, he kind of had a sloppy game, unfortunately, against uh, Glendale the last time that we played them. Just like a lot of um, missed tackles and uh, knock-ons and losing it in the tackle. But, um, you know, he makes up for it. Um not only just with his size, but just uh, the way he uses that body. And then at number 14, right wing is Brock Stoller, the Canadian international player. He is, uh, I forgot to mention, Peter Smith, number 10, is a kicker, but so is Stoller. Stoller is, um, he's a big dude, not not like huge like some of these other guys, but um, the, the bigger of our two wings, and he can kick well, he can tackle well, he can run with the ball, he can kind of do it all. And then at fullback, we have Matt Turner, who I believe is a former England sevens player. Um, he's kind of a smaller guy like Phil Mack, but um, don't underestimate him. This guy has leg drive for days and uh, has this like brand appearance, like just 
Okay, he's got frosted tips. I don't know what's going on with the frosted tips on the team. I think lots of guys are losing bets or something. Um, but Turner's got this, like, there's, like, a brand to the way that he scores tries. Like, just, just watch if it happens. He has this, like, trot. I don't know how to describe it. It's just the way he runs. And then, um, so that's our starting 15. Really, uh, really good starters. I think we have definitely picked our best squad. Um, if you've listened to me over the course of the season talk about who I want to see on the field, these are those people, um, minus a few, which I'm not even going to go into. It just doesn't matter. Like, no need for um, questioning this. Uh, we're here. It's championship time. And then in the reserves, our eight reserves, uh, 16, Mike Shepard, so he can fill in at hooker, number two. Uh, then number 17, John Hayden, he can fill in as a prop. Number 18, Kellen Gordon, can also fill in as a prop. Number 19, Cole Van Harn, is a back rower. Number 20, Aladdin Shermer, is also a back rower. Number 21, Andre Coquillard, a back rower as well. Number 22, Jeremy Misongalu, he is a winger. And then number 23, Sequoia Burke Combs, also a winger. And those guys are fast, they're mean, they tackle hard. I mean, just great you know, great people to be able to call onto the field, whether it's temporary, like if Peter Tiberio goes out as a, you know, with the blood sub, which totally is going to happen, um, or, you know, permanent uh, substitutes. Like these, these guys are really solid. I would say that um, of, of, of all of them, um, I mean, Aladdin Shermer's definitely uh, one of my favorite to see on the field. Um, I think Cole Van Harn uh, is definitely uh, a presence that is felt by the other team at the uh, at the Rucks. And then Misangalu, I, I think he's a really solid wing. Um, I think he could, you know, as easily be uh, starting out there. Same thing with Burt Combs. I mean, he's really earned his merit over the season, making good tackles and and uh, yeah, just making his presence felt on the field. So. Those are your starting lineups. You might be wondering now, what left is there to talk about? Um, there's definitely plenty to talk about, and I won't be able to cover it all. Um, but I think that something we should get into here is keys to the game. Like for Seattle, how are they going to win this? Um, but I think it would be important to look back in detail at the last time that we, that we played Glendale um, we lost in week nine of Major League Rugby. It was our last of two encounters against the Glendale Raptors, which definitely did not go as well as the first time. Um, maybe it's because we were away. Maybe it's because we didn't have our internationals with us. The first time we played them, which I think was in like round two or three of Major League Rugby or week three, whatever, um, we lost like 14 to 19 at home. and It was kind of raining. Um, I was at that game really fun environment at Starfire Stadium, but the last time that we saw the Glendale Raptors, it was at Infinity Park in Glendale, and we lost 11 to 33, and that was like 33 unanswered points from the 35-minute mark, which is insane, because Seattle's known for its seawall, which is what they call our defense, and it was really unfortunate that we lost that game, um, almost unlucky, uh, even the coach at, at Glendale said that they were kind of lucky to come away with the win because they were really struggling in the first half, but then they turned it on in the second half because they just kind of held on to the ball. Um, there's a lot to talk about with this game, but let's get into some of the numbers. So let's start with uh, Seattle's scoring. Um, scoring was 
obviously not great for us in this game. Uh, Sampson had a try towards the beginning, uh, and that was uh, at the 10-minute mark. He just kind of plowed it over. Um, Holder was not able to convert that, unfortunately. He did make a penalty kick at the 14-minute mark, and then he also had a drop kick at the 28-minute mark. So everything went quiet after the 28-minute mark for us, which is really unfortunate, uh, not typical for our team. We score a lot. We're pretty good at it. Um, Holder's kicking wasn't necessarily on fire this game. Um, he got taken out after the first half, so Peter Smith could come in, who's luckily on the bench, to come in and kind of you know, fill in for what wasn't working for Holder. I think Holder's got, you know, all the potential to do all the things that a good fly half needs to do, but kicking is probably his biggest area to improve. Um, he did get that drop kick because we were going to get the penalty kick anyways. Um, it was an advantage called, and he was just right there, so he just kind of saved some time and took the drop kick. Now, scoring for uh, Glendale, they had, gosh, one, two, three, four, five tries. And that was, let's see, uh, London, I think the outside center at the 34-minute mark. Uh, Finoglio, their hooker and captain at the 38-minute mark. So as you can see, once things went quiet for Seattle, started to turn on there at the end of the first half for, for Glendale. Um, and then it was Cruze at 43-minute mark, London again at the 49-minute mark, and then Cook at the 51-minute mark scoring. Um, a lot of back and forth, missed opportunities uh, from then on, not really any scores happening. Um, this will definitely go into my key for the game for Seattle. Um, we had seven goalable kicks not taken. So those would be three points each. It's not guaranteed we would have made all of them. Some of them were out wide, would not have been easy to slot. But let's just say miraculously we were able to slot every single one of those kicks that we didn't take had we taken them. Kind of like uh, A.J. McGinty did against Scotland. I mean, he had like six out of six kicks so if we had made seven out of seven of those goalable kicks that we did not take, that would have been seven times three is 21. Cool, I can still do math. So 21 points added to 11 would have been 32, making it a 32 to 33 loss, which would have been a lot different. And I think if we had been stacking on those points, it would have kept the pressure on Glendale, given us some more confidence, could have even won that game. So um, what does that mean the key is going to be in this match here for Seattle? I don't know if other people will say it. You know, there's still stuff I have to learn about this game, but it seems pretty clear to me that we should have gone for points more often, just taking, you know, what was uh, basically given to us. Um, you know, Holder's kicker wasn't kicking. Holder's kicking was not working that game, but with Smith at 10, yeah, I think we're solid kicking. And, if it's not working for him on the first kick, then just let Stoller do it. Um, Stoller can definitely kick. So, um, yeah, I mean that was <laughs> that was scoring this game. It was it was um, very quiet second half for Seattle. Very loud end of first half and start of second half for Glendale. So now moving on to some individual or actually no team stats i might do some individual stuff uh defense let's talk about tackling what did the seawall look like so 
we attempted 153 tackles that game against Glendale and made 115 of them, which I think if I got the math right there, that means 38 missed tackles. Um, gosh, who was really racking up the missed tackles? Our top three missed tacklers, number one was Rasalika. Uh, number two was Shermer. No. Yeah. Um, and then tied at number three would be Phil Mack and uh, Matt Turner. So um, it was mostly the backs, no surprise. Uh, Shermer's got to tighten things up if he doesn't want to get crap from the other forwards. Um, and then some other totals that I had racking up these individual stats. So knock-ons, uh, which is when you knock the ball forward, which is not allowed unless it's off of your foot. Um, we had eight knock-ons that game, uh, not a great number, but what's really scary is half of those came from Rosalika, one in the first half, three in the second half. It's kind of like, whoa, dude. Um, and then turnovers one, I only had two for us, which is not a ton. Um, Let's talk about lineouts this game. So Seattle had 13 lineouts. Um, excuse me. No, we had 16 lineouts and won 13 of them. So we started losing them and had significantly more too in the second half. Uh, the Raptors, on the other hand, uh, would have had 14 lineouts throughout the game, most of them in the first half, and their percentage was uh, definitely better. They only lost one of them. And then scrums, uh, equal amount for both teams, four for each in the first half, four for each in the second half. And uh, perfect record there in the scrum for Glendale. The first scrum, um, Seattle lost. So that's not typical for us. Um, but we didn't have our starting front row because Khalifi was with the Eagles, I believe, at this time. Um, kickoffs in this game, so um, not much to say here except for when Holder kicked one directly out, which that shouldn't happen. He won't be on the field. Um, penalties, so this is definitely going to come into play with keys for the game. So Seattle only had four, which was one in the first half, uh, and that was Rasalika with his hands in the rock, and then three in the second half, which included a yellow by uh, Cam Polson, unfortunately, and that was a dangerous tackle. It looked kind of like lazy. He was just running back on side and then kind of collided with the guy. Um, so only four penalties throughout that game, which is really good discipline from the Seawolves, but then the Raptors, oh my goodness. So they had seven penalties in the first half and nine in the second half. I just don't understand how you can rack up all these penalties and not get called for uh, a yellow. Like at, at what point has a team not gotten the message, right? Like 16 penalties is fucking insane. Like I'm, I'm not going to start making conspiracies about why there wasn't a yellow card, but that is just disgusting. I mean, that is like that lacks so much discipline and it's crazy too because they're number one <laughs> like we're gonna have a really hard time beating them if that's what's gonna happen in this game um but we should definitely take advantage of putting pressure on them and getting those penalties and like i said seven of them were gullible that we did not take um so there there were opportunities for us to score 
off of these penalties and we should expect the same from them but um, change what we're doing and go for points so that is a bit of an overview from kind of a stats standpoint of what happened in this last Glendale game I'm just trying to think what I'm going to predict for this match. I had the San Diego game, Seattle winning by one, but we won by quite a bit more. Um, so, you know, one would probably be more accurate for Seattle if we're going to win this Glendale game. And uh, you know what? It, it worked for me when I said we were going to win by one. We won by a lot. So I'm going to say that uh, in this game, we are going to win by one. Uh, so Seattle minus one. Now, uh, what are some areas I think you should watch? So I already said what the keys are to the game, um, and what did I say it was? Uh, you got to go for points, right? That's a big thing, and uh, there was something else. But um, the the things that you need to watch, so I would um, keep an eye on our centers. Um, I think that uh, Suniula and Rosalika have been a good pairing. Um, I think that uh, with who they're lining up across from, which if I remember is Bryce Campbell and I think London. Uh, I mean, um, Bryce Campbell is just a unit, but Suniula has not backed down in, in contact. Um, I think also, like, I, I just don't know how Smith compares. Like, I know Smith is a good fly half, um, but I don't know how he compares to McGee. Um, McGee's just really good. I don't know how much reps he's been getting since A.J. McGinty's been running the show over at USA Rugby for number 10, but um, I'm sure he's gotten in plenty of training and is going to be in good form. So um, I'm always thinking about the backs, what to look out for. I mean, I think our front row is excellent. Um in let's see Khalifi, Barkwell, and um, Metcher across from the likes of, of what Glendale's going to offer but you know you look at the last game in our scrum there was just you know one little squeaky wheel they got that out of us we had seven out of eight scrums instead of eight out of eight like they did um, our lineouts were uh, hurting despite the uh, the close numbers where we only missed two more than they did they're they're really good at lineouts like you just watch their guys and we're not we just can't even like contest some of their um, some of their evasive maneuvers getting those balls up in the lineout. So um, yeah, exciting game. I think Seattle will win by one. Um, again, I, I think it's key that we we go for points in this match. Um, I think that's going to be really big. So how do you watch this game? Um, you know, some people will be watching it on TV at bars that have CBS Sports. If you're not doing that. You're either at Torero Stadium. Congratulations if you're going. This is the first season of Major League Rugby. That's awesome. I'm going to be at a bar. I'm going to be at Postdoc Brewing doing live pre-match, halftime, and, and post-match stuff um, on YouTube and probably Instagram Live. Um, but if you're not at a bar or you're not at the game, you should be able to watch it on CBS at home. If you're out of the country, as in out of the U.S., you can watch it on uh, Facebook Live on MLR's channel or page. But um, I talked to uh, our center, Mozak Sampson, um, on Twitter, and it sounds like there's some issues with that in Canada. So uh, my advice in that case would be to get a VPN, Virtual Private Network, application and uh, get onto MLR's Facebook page from outside of the country. 
Of course, that's just in theory, because that would be probably against the law, and I could never advise somebody to do that. That's a terrible idea. So, anyways, um, I hope you guys are really excited for this match. I'm pumped for this day. I think Seattle can do it. Um, we've made a big statement uh, this year just with our record being number two, getting into the finals when people were you know, definitely doubting uh, our abilities, and I'm so proud of this team. Uh, guys, if you're listening, good luck today. I know a couple of you tune in sometimes. You probably don't really have time before the match, but if you're listening to it after, thanks for coming back and listening. Um, well, I guess it's time for me to sign off and uh, start packing my things and getting ready to go up to Seattle. So, you know the deal, WolfPod. Uh, gosh, it's sad. This is like the last time I'm going to say it this season, but I'll be back every week, so I guess not. But uh, big, big day today. Big day today. So, you know the deal, WolfPod. Hunt together pot alone and go sea wolves thanks for listening cheers